Good morning. Well, you're lively this morning. That's great. Yeah, all right. Uh, funny the topic on laziness. Um, Proverbs 22.13, if you have a Bible, I uh, encourage you to turn there. We're going to be in a couple different places this morning. Proverbs 22.13. Thanks for being here and worshiping with us live this morning. If you need a Bible, we've got some mushers coming down the aisles. Just slip a hand up. They'll give you a Bible you can use this morning. And if you need it at home, we encourage you to take it home. Proverbs 22.13, as we continue our time in the series, Catch 22. Thanks to those who are joining us online and those who will be in Kindred this evening. It's a great day to worship the Lord, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So far uh, in this series, we have talked about things like reputation, we've talked about humility and wickedness and parenting and debt and generosity and quarreling and wisdom and faithfulness. And now today, as we follow the scriptures, I was telling somebody before the service, I just preach what the scripture says and we're going through this, this uh, particular book and this chapter and the topic today is laziness. Today's topic is not um, speaking about a lazy day or uh, a short time of being lazy. It's addressing more of an attitude or a pattern of laziness. Verse 13, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. This morning, uh, verse 13 is gonna be kind of a springboard into the topic of laziness. And the sluggard says, what do you think of when you hear the word sluggard? What are some of the things that immediately come to your mind? Here are a few things that come to my mind. A sluggard loves ease more than effort. A sluggard loves leisure more than work. A sluggard loves comfort more than the risk. A sluggard avoids the rewards of temporary discomfort. Temporary discomfort comes from hard work and, and it comes from great effort. And, and for a sluggard, whatever the reward is, it's not worth it. It's too hard, it takes too much energy. A sluggard's love for ease and comfort blinds him from the reward of effort. And the difficulty uh, of hiring employees today is one example. The other evening we had a group of people at our house and we're sitting around and there are many different conversations happening and I joined several different conversations. And one of the conversations that I found myself in had to do with the difficulty of finding people to hire. Why is it so difficult to find people to hire? Well, as some might suggest, does, does the shortage of workers have anything to do with the aging population? Does it have to do with the fear of COVID? Does it have to do with poor working conditions or, or the lack of childcare that is available? Does it have to do with low wages? I'm positive that all of these things are reasons that it's so difficult to find people to hire. But I believe that there's one other reason and it came up in the conversation. As one person said, those who want to work are working. Verse 13, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside, I'll be killed in the public square. Now that we better understand what a sluggard is, 
And that a sluggard is one who's looking for the greatest amount of ease and, and the least amount of effort. It makes sense that, that he would justify uh, his position by saying, I can't go out there. There's a lion outside and I will be killed. I will be devoured. And so Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, uses this phrase to, to really maximize a sluggard's thinking. I can't go outside. I can't go outside. I'll be killed. I'm better off staying right here in the safety. And the conclusion of verse 13 is this, a sluggard uses irrational thinking to justify his laziness. Another word that's used in scripture or that we might substitute is the word sloth. A sloth is a slow moving tropical mammal that hangs upside down from, from trees and uses its long limbs and, and, and its hooked claws to grab things. Its name literally means slow feet, which, which makes sense and it's the world's slowest animal. It's so slow, in fact, that algae grows on its fur. Isn't that crazy? So next time you're trying to hurry somebody along Come on, honey, let's go. Come on, honey. Say, if we don't get moving, you're going to have algae growing on your arms, okay? That's how slow it is. It's, it's also known that a baby sloth can easily fall from a tree because a baby sloth will literally grab its free arm thinking that it's a limb, and it falls to the ground. In some ways, we all have an inner sloth. You decide to give what's on TV a chance because you're too comfortable and you remember that the remote's cut across the room, right? You know, we used to see these in commercials and I'm like, who would ever do that? We text people in our own family just in the other room. You do that? Most of us can have sloth tendencies. Someone once said this, you can't teach people to be lazy. Either they have it or they don't. Isn't that true? The first thing that we'll see from Scripture today is God establishes a pattern for us to follow, and it's found in Genesis 1-1 through chapter 2, verse 3. I'm not going to read all of those verses, but I'm going to give you the highlights. It's the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. So listen for the pattern. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters and separate water from water. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And there was evening and morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water team with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day and God said let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds the livestock the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals each according to its kind then God said let us make mankind in our own image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground so God created mankind in his own image and the image of God he created them male and female he created them God saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day by the seventh day God had finished the work that he had been doing. 
So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Right from the get-go, right out of the starting blocks, in the beginning, God revealed to us a pattern. And the pattern went like this, work and then rest. Work and then rest. And God initiated this in Genesis, the creation account. How many days did he create? And then he did what? Rested. God establishes a pattern of work and then rest to model and to teach us that our lives are designed in the same way. God values hard work, absolutely. And he also values rest. But really what God values is a balance between both. You might think that a message on a lazy sloth is all about working more. You might think that that's my goal today, working harder, being being even more busy, while the proverb passage is bringing to attention the person who spends too much time hugging their inner sloth. It's more than that. Too much work is unhealthy. Too much rest is unhealthy. God wants us to have this rhythm in life and he wants it to be balanced. A rhythm of life that is sustainable. A rhythm of life where you don't burn out. A rhythm of life that allows for hard work and rest. Some people work way too much. Some people rest way too much. Remember the sluggard, a sluggard's love for ease and comfort blinds him to the rewards of any effort. What is the reward for pursuing a balanced life like the one that God models for us right out of the first pages of the Bible? Is it worth it? The reward is peace. It's a heart that's content. And a healthy balance reduces stress. It's satisfying knowing that you are following a pattern given to us by our creator. Psalm 128 says, you will eat the fruit of your labor. We concluded that God allows us to experience things in life to reveal to us whether we are in balance or not, right? If you have believed the lie that says the reward is not worth the effort, It can lead to boredom in our life, which can lead to unhealthy patterns, which can lead to poor habits, which can lead to addictions. If you swing the pendulum too far the other way, it can lead to workaholism, stress and obsession and mood swings and depression and anxiety and feeling tired and unrested and distracted and checked out in life. You can swing one way or the other. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk, I think is how you say the name. And it's worth reading or listening to. The Body Keeps the Score. God created our bodies with amazing abilities, but he also created us with this kind of this built-in dashboard, so to speak, that illuminates warning signs 
And both ends of the spectrum are unhealthy and can lead to unwanted challenges in this life. This is just one area that God has set as an example for us to say, hey, I've set it before you and I've modeled it for you and I want you to follow it. But it's a huge part of our life. When we're not in balance, our dashboard begins to light up like, like a Christmas lights. And we don't want our dashboard lighting up like Christmas vacation, that scene, you know, when he plugs it in and all the lights come on. Sometimes we wait till that point in our life and we go, something's not right because we're completely out of balance. And just in case Adam and Eve didn't get the message, and just in case that they didn't get the message to pass it on, God thought uh, the idea of work and rest to be so important, he went ahead and he put it in the Ten Commandments. He says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord God. Number one, God established a pattern for us, a pattern of balance. Are you in balance? Secondly, God created us with purpose. If you go further in that passage in Genesis, Genesis 2.15 says, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Not only did, did God establish the pattern, but he put this pattern into motion and God establishes right from the get-go that, that work is not punishment. Work is for you. We were created to work. And we were created to work hard. We were created in God's image and part of God's image was working hard. Whenever God gives us something, it is always good for us and it always brings glory to him. Whenever he gives us something, he says, hey, I'm gonna give you the ability to work. It's always good for us and it's glorifying to him. And in this verse, we see God put man in charge to govern the earth and to take care of it under his authority. In so many words, God says, because I work hard, I want you to work hard. So when the world says work is bad, work is only a means to an end, work is punishment, work as little as possible, what we discover is that laziness does not bless our life. A common question that gets asked um, even the last couple of weeks um, comes up is if you were to win the lottery, would you still work? Some people say no way. Others people say, I'd keep my same job. I would keep doing the same thing that I'm doing. Even others would say, I would work, but I would do something that I really enjoy. And others say, I would work because I can, not because I have to. Some say, man, I just can't wait to retire. Man, I can't wait until I don't have to work anymore. Or I can't wait until I get to a place where I don't have to do as much. I, I'm not promoting workaholism here again. I'm not saying that. God never said we must work all the time. Remember, he says work and then rest. Work and then he established that pattern. But Satan... The slimy snake comes along and says to us, as he always does, I have a substitute for God's order, an intended purpose. I mean, surely God didn't say that work is a good thing. 
Here's what Satan says to us. Let someone else do it. Hang out with your inner sloth. Let somebody else go out of their way. Let somebody else pick up the trash on the ground. Let somebody else pick up the dirty clothes. Let somebody else get up with the crying baby. Let somebody else make supper. Let somebody else clean up the mess. Let somebody else do the majority of the work on the project at work. Let somebody else carry the majority of the workload. Let somebody else do all the prep work. Let somebody else be the dedicated and the committed one. You, this is Satan speaking, you deserve to be on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and, 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 and be amazed at all the wonderful pictures you see of everyone else's incredible life. You deserve a break from your nap. You deserve some downtime. You deserve some time alone. You deserve a Netflix binge. You deserve, let your spouse do all the work. You deserve to kick back. Let them do all the hard parenting stuff. You deserve to have fun with the kids. He's good. We fall into this self-deception mode of knowing what we're supposed to do. And we deceive ourselves when we don't do it. Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. So, so Satan comes along and he begins to get a foothold in our lives in this area when we lose sight that whatever we do, we ought to be doing it as though we're working for the Lord and not for people. So much of what I do sometimes, and maybe you can relate to this, is I find myself, what I'm doing is not for God, it's for me and it's for people. And I lose sight of this. And when we work for people, we lose sight of our purpose. When we work for the Lord, we have this, this renewed energy and this renewed purpose in our life. It's no longer about us. It's no longer about others. It's about God. I don't know if you've ever seen the meme. It, kind of, it always starts with like me and then, you know, whatever. And it, and it starts like this. It says me and then it says this is a guy saying, I loaded the dishwasher today, and he's saying it to his wife. And the wife says, good job. And then the next picture is like Nacho Libre with his cape on, his chest out, like, look at me, I loaded the dishwasher today. I wanna get noticed. It wasn't in God's original design for us to be a sloth. He actually created a sloth to be a sloth. He created us with purpose and value and with a plan that involves hard work no matter how you cut it. And many people work hard all day and then come home and then the inner sloth takes over. And when the inner sloth takes over, the recliner or the couch looks way more inviting than spending time with your spouse or investing in the kids or finishing the projects or whatever else needs to be done. We are all friends. We're all guilty of this. We also live in an entitlement era. Give me, give me, give me. There's a growing number of people that don't want to work at all. Not even at a job. I'm talking about the how, whatever. If it's work, I don't want it. Not only do we live in an era of entitlement, we also live in an era of codependency. 
And what I mean by that is like, like when we go to do something, we find ourselves saying, I, I want to do this, but I can't do this all by myself. I need help. And there are times, of course, we need help, but there are times when we can do something by ourselves, but we find ourselves in that mode and in that thinking pattern of, I just can't do this alone. I'm dependent on somebody else. And sloth is often thought of uh, in the physical part of life. I also want to take a close look at our spiritual lives and how sloth can affect our walk with God. So we've talked about God set a pattern before us and God created us with a purpose. And third, I want to talk about how God saved us for good works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, maybe you're familiar with these couple of verses. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We'll get to verse 10 in a second. I am becoming more and more convinced that the spiritual sloth in us is kept alive and well when we either ignore or we don't fully understand the gospel. Salvation is so much more than just being rescued from an eternal hell. The truth of the gospel ought to affect us drastically in this life, not just our eternal life. When you understand the gospel, you will be changed. Let me say it a different way. You cannot understand and embrace the gospel and remain the same. A person's spiritual activeness or laziness is often in proportion to the depth of which they understand the gospel. And when I say understand the gospel, I'm talking about truly understanding the gospel to the point that it, it penetrates you to the core. There is no doubt many people are sitting in churches right now as I'm up here speaking uh, all around America, all, all around the world who do not understand the gospel message. People who may know that Jesus came to this earth, who died on the cross, but they've never allowed the reality of the gospel to affect them whatsoever. The gospel is so much more than information. The gospel is transformation. And so you can see how our, our spiritual sloth exists in direct proportion to the degree in which we have allowed the gospel to impact us. Well, let's talk about the gospel. The gospel is best understood when you stand at the corner of grace and faith. Grace means unmerited favor, right? It's an act of a loving God towards undeserving man. And grace is only grace if there's somebody who's undeserving, and that's us. Faith, the scripture defines as being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. It's to believe in what God says is true. It's to step out and to offer your life to Christ, trusting that he will save you. And so all we have to offer in salvation is faith, nothing more, nothing less. And even the faith that we have to offer in salvation comes from him. The only work that's involved in salvation, the, listen to this, the only work that is involved in salvation, the only ounce of work that's involved in salvation is the work 
that Christ accomplished on the cross. Nothing that you can do. Salvation starts and ends with God. And the more I understand about the gospel, the more I change. And the more I change because of the gospel, the more eager I am to squash the spiritual sloth and the lazy tendencies in me and start chasing hard after God. Friends, we get, we get lazy spiritually when we don't understand the gospel. Because the more we understand the gospel, the less lazy we want to be. The gospel, friends, is motivating. Spiritual sloth makes a whole lot of sense to me when I lack the understanding of the gospel. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Greek word for workmanship is this idea of poem. It's a poem. So it's this idea that we are God's poem being written throughout our life. We are God's work of art. So when you give your life to Christ, you give him the right to do whatever it takes. When you give your life to Christ, you give him the right to do whatever it takes. Are you okay with that? God saves us not to leave us as we were. He saves us to radically change us. Until we see our need for change and transformation, we will remain content with who we are. God sure has a way to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. He has a way to deal with the inner spiritual sloth in us. He says that we can do this your way or we can do it my way. He will not leave you the same as you were when you came to him. It's not in him to do so. He will change you one way or another. Every true believer will be changed. How quickly a believer can become idle and slothful if he falsely believes God expects no fruit from a transformed life. And so we surrender our life to Christ and then we fall into this easy chair thinking there's nothing I need to do. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Your works the things that you do, whether that has to do with doing your devotional time or coming to church or serving in the church or sharing the God, whatever it is, whatever, being kind, whatever it is, your works are only good when God is doing a good work in you and through you. Matthew 5 says, let your light shine before men so they can see your good deeds and glorify God. The work that we have been saved to do is not determined by us. God does not say, okay, now that you're saved, do whatever you think is good. Because again, our natural propensity, 
would be to find a spiritual recliner. It's in us to be spiritually lazy and comfortable. The works that we have been saved to do are the evidence that we have been in fact saved. And the opposite of spiritual laziness is not just doing good works, but doing the works that God has preordained or prepared us to do. Ephesians 2 tells us that the unbeliever walks according to the course of this world, but the believer walks in the good works that God has prepared for them. So just to recap, what have we learned this morning? God established and modeled for us a healthy balance between work and rest. God created us with purpose. God expects our good works to flow out of our deep understanding of the gospel. Let me leave you with this, with this one thing. It's a statement and your application can be, um, can be left up to you. Rest is a necessity. Laziness is a choice. Father, thank you for this morning. And Lord, um, I'll be the first one to confess and admit that both in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm, um, I have an inner sloth, and I think we all do. It's easier. It's less painful. It doesn't take as much energy. But God, all that we need, whether it's in the physical or in the spiritual, you have for us. You will give us. But you also don't just ask us to go out and get busy and do whatever we want to do. And you don't ask us to um, work ourselves to death. For what? But God, you've given us this perfect example where we will be perfectly fulfilled and perfectly rested. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.